Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways, I do some other stuff, but most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level, stay tuned for that post, and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Zach, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, man. I've been a fan of yours for a while and I'm a little bit starstruck. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Same here. I've been a fan for a long time. I don't remember which video of yours that uh, I discovered, but I've been watching for, I don't know, uh, maybe a year or something like that. And then I saw the video you did recently with Bring Me the Horizon and I was like, whoa, I was not expecting this. Yeah, that was that was a really cool experience. And uh, definitely like the main thing I learned in that is, you know, these metal bands, man, like they are not fucking around at all. Like their process for staying alive and staying thriving, it's like curated very well. And it's something that I got to see behind the scenes and I got to train with the guys and then we went ate some healthy foods and then they went back to the tour bus to write and record more music because they have a studio on the back of their bus. Right. Me and my friend Chris, uh, you know, we bounced. Then we came back at like seven, seven ish. The uh, openers were going on and the place was packed and we went up to the dressing room, like the green room, and they were all just playing FIFA. They're not like partying, drinking or anything. They used to rage. Yeah, I saw a, a documentary, man, that's still up on YouTube. And the opening scene is, I don't know if it's Matt or if, I don't know which guy it is in the band. He's taking a shit. <laughs> Have you seen this? Oh, I haven't. It's this old documentary that was made by one of the guys in the band's brother. Okay. And it's crazy, dude. They're going crazy. <laughs> Sounds about right. It reminds me of like the old like uh, skate videos that I used to watch. Right. CKY and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for anybody who's not familiar, you know, I want to call your channel a fitness channel, but I think that kind of does it a disservice. So how would you describe it to anybody who's not familiar? Yeah. So I originated by just this very narrow niche focus around the sport of Olympic weightlifting, which is very different from like fitness. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like, you know, you, you have to learn the skill and you have to think of it as a sport. It's a lot like golf kind of. And then, you know, it's relation to fitness is strong, right? Because you have to get stronger. You're probably going to change your composition, but the way that you learn it is very, it's very skill based. And the way that I started, I just basically would come up with, you know, thesis theses, if you will, around struggles that I had and ways that I had fixed them. And I would always make a video around technical things in the snatch and the clean and jerk. Those are the two moves that we do. Um, and then from there, I just did one of those videos once a week for like four or five years straight. My, my channel started going up and up, but I realized there was a ceiling to that. Right. And people cared about me as a person 
And me as a person, I'm into a lot of other things, uh, probably more so than Olympic weightlifting. One of those things is music. In my mind, fitness and weightlifting is here, you know, and then music is like way, way, way up and how important it is in my life. And then I, I like, I like talking about philosophy and even some sort of like political things, because I talk a lot about different regions and like their strength sports. I've been diving into that and, and the strife that different, you know, peoples go through. Right. So in that sense, it just becomes a discussion of life. And if I can fit in physical culture, is what I would probably call it, like physical culture. Yeah. If I could fit that into it, then I'm doing my job. If I can't, then people give me a little leeway so I can you know, talk about issues that I have and things. And so that's why the, the video I did with Bring Me the Horizon was so cool because it was able to combine my love for music and my love for fitness. And like I had said earlier, like seeing these guys and how seriously they took their job uh, it was incredibly inspiring. And like the entire time I was just like soaking it all in. I mean, there's a reason why those guys are at the top of the food chain, you know, and it's because of all the things you said, you know, they were kind of, you know, they were a little bit wild when they were younger, but uh, they kind of got their shit together and they run it like a machine now, you know, and uh, a lot of bands, you know, you, you meet them, you go, there might be a band, you hear their music and you're like, man, these guys are really good. How come they didn't get bigger? And then you get to know them a little bit more and you're like, oh, that's why. Cause <laughs> you know, cause they're lazy or disorganized, don't take care of themselves. And it's like, all right, they've got some talent, but you know, it's the same as, same as in sports, hard work breeds talent when talent doesn't work hard. And then with Bring Me, they've got both. Yeah. So I saw this with, it was probably like a Loudwire video around Dave Mustaine and bands having issues with him recently, like working with him. Do you know if that's because they were partying and it was like part of the, the deal where like, hey, if you're going to come on tour with us, like you can't be partying or you can't like you have to take this seriously. Or do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, vaguely. I don't really follow Megadeth, to be honest. Um, okay. But uh, I know he's been sober for a long time. It seems like the kind of thing he would do, but I don't I don't know for sure. I, I've just I've heard uh, like that he's tough to work with in that way. But then yeah. also, you know, it is a machine. Megadeth is definitely a machine at this point. And it, it sounds shitty. You know, um, he's older. He's in a whole older dis uh, situation. But I think like there is an aspect of professionalism that has to come around. Sure. Especially when your niche can only go so far. Like I don't, I can't think of other bands around when bring me the horizon was in that scene. But if you think about where those bands are now compared to bring me, like they're not even close. It's them and architects really are like, you know, the leaders. And now most of the other bands just kind of fell off. What were those other bands specifically? I mean, any of the bands of like the MySpace era, like there's, I mean, a day, a day to remember would be up there too. They do very well. It's like, there's so many, I don't even know where to start, but just a million random MySpace deathcore bands, because that's what Bring the Horizon was when they started. Right. You know, yeah. and then they became more of this modern rock thing later. But, you know, Job for a Cowboy might be another example. Of oh, that, yeah. You know, and they're they're a cool band, but they fell off real hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. compared to how much hype they had in 2005, 2006, you know, which is when Breaking the Horizon was also coming up. And you see the difference between those two bands. I would say, you know, at that time, Job for a Cowboy was the better band. They certainly were better players. You know, I would say they were the better band. But, you know, it's one thing to be on top for a year. It's one thing to be on top 
another thing to be on top for 15 or 20 years. Yeah. Or just come into a different space completely and like right. get, a, get a whole new generation of fans. Like going to that concert, seeing how young the fans were was actually yeah. crazy. Yeah. And those guys are in their mid to late thirties now. They're not young by music standards. Yeah. But they, they started really young. They did. Like, yeah. I'm did a lot of those bands start that young, like yeah. 17. Yeah. Okay. Yep. God, it's crazy to think that teenagers have that level of talent in that MySpace era. It's insane. You know, and then the kids now that are coming up listening to bands like Polyphia and stuff are ridiculous. Like, I remember when I was a teenager, it was rare to find anybody who could even just play like double bass. Nobody even knew what sweet picking was. And now every random 15 year old <laughs> can play their ass off. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just cool to see kids learn from the people that came before them and level up, you know, and I, yeah. it's humbling. I, I, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of older people who, uh, you know, want to turn up their nose and talk shit about the younger generation. I think it's inspiring. Oh yeah. It can't that the, the idea of like shout, you know, it's the, the, the boomer shouting yeah. at the, at the sky. It's, it's going to happen with every generation. The, thing i posted with bring me the horizon there are so many comments being like dude their old stuff was way better like right, they're all right. shit now and it's like if that's what you grasp from like if you think that that is like a that gives you some sort of character trait like to have that opinion nobody's impressed you know? yeah no one no one cares <laughs> about that opinion it's like you, you might think it's special but it's not it's like yeah it doesn't separate you from the bunch not at all i think of it kind of like jujitsu you know i started ju doing jujitsu a long time ago much longer ago than i should like for given how shitty i am uh i, I it's embarrassing but a blue belt you know now is better than a lot of like brown belts in 2005 just everything any anything where there's this like exchange of of knowledge and technique people just get better and i think it's fucking cool yeah i i also man this is kind of along the same vein i posted an amur uh song to my community post uh-huh and in my most recent video if you guys want to go watch it i uh i do oh this. yeah yeah tell us tell us about this so, so i do the like it's i consider it the hardest squat workout possible it's 20 reps with just the barbell so that's 20 kilos 19 reps with 30 kilos 18 with 40 all the way down to one rep with 210 kilos and i think that's like 465 pounds so my best right now is 509 pounds back squat. But with all of that volume, it's like well over 250 reps. It's really difficult. And I'm walking people through this. Basically, I try to add in a variable that will give me an edge every couple of sets. For anyone that's in any level of fitness, I would suggest that. So like the first you know, 10 sets, I just did it with flat shoes. I did it with no belt and no music in my ear. And then after that, it started to like, I really needed something else. So I added on my knee sleeves. So knee sleeves will help. Uh, they give you a little compression around the knee joint. They make you feel a little bit more secure. They can help you. And then I also had my lifting shoes. Those are a higher heeled shoes. And those can help get your knee to track forward. So you can use your quads a little bit more. So I added in those. Then as I got heavier, I added in the earphones and or the headphones, which are my AirPods. And I was like, here's the song I'm listening to right now. And, and so I would do my set and we would play a little bit of the song. I think it's a really cool way to kind of yeah. like 
add in this discussion of music. And I think it was Shadow Moses was the first song and then Bleed was the next one. And then this song called Universal Language from um, Stick to Your Guns was one of the tracks that's like one of my favorite all time metal songs. And then the final one was a suggested song on on Spotify, like it just automatically played it. And it's that Amure song. It's right at the top of their like uh, you ask for it. I love Amir. One of my favorite bands of all time. So that song's playing. I'm just going fucking nuts. Like the last rep is, is a 210 kilo back squat. I did it easy. And I smiled. I did a bonus rep. And then like, I'm like screaming into the microphone because I'm doing voiceover. And then it cuts to my, you know, tagline, no excuses, just improve to that Amur songs. It's like ultimate, like just fires me up. But I posted on my community page, like, Hey guys, this song just played in my headphones and now I'm in the back of a cop car. Like (laughs) that was was what I said. And, uh, people were like, there's a couple of comments, people being like, ah, yes, a mule, like no talent, but a hundred people hate them. It's so dumb and played out. Yeah. And then someone was like, ew, gross, a mule. I'm like, dude, imagine listening to a song and you like the song. And then someone says, yeah, but they're not that talented or they aren't as good as they used to be. And then changing your mind. Right. No, your brain liked it. Right. Like, I don't give a fuck. Oh, that, that since that guy on YouTube told me not to like this thing, now it doesn't sound good to me anymore. It's so ridiculous. I listen to a lot of metal, but I listen to equally as much like folk music, folk rock, uh, just straight up rock and roll, you know, classic rock. Uh, you name it. Like I'll listen to pop if it hits me right. Like I just don't care. And it's interesting that people feel the need to be seen or heard or validated with an opinion on music. Well, I mean, fitness people are just as bad in their own way. Yes. Yes. Of course. It, the, the parallel can be drawn to fitness. Yeah. <laughs> there is a little aspect of fitness and you don't want to do this all the time, but I did it one time. <laughs> And uh, it was super petty of me. But this guy, I did a deadlift and this guy comments. He's like disgusting, like I saw atrocious this, yeah. form. <laughs> yeah, I go, oh, he's like, your back must be killing. And, and that. And I'm like, oh, my back feels great. If you mind me asking, what's your best deadlift? And then uh, he's like 212.5 kilos. And then it smash cuts to me doing 212.5 kilos for a set of 15. And it's like. In that sense, I could say, hey, what's your physique like and what's your total like or else it doesn't matter. That's not exactly true all the time. Like if we only listen to people who are stronger than us, it wouldn't be a really great place. Fitness. I know there's so many people stronger than me. No one would listen to me because. But if someone wants to play the asshole contest with you. Yeah. If you want to be a dick, then I'll be a dick. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a level of that in in music. Well, I I just wish you would have played my favorite Amira song, Drug Dealer Friend. Do you know that one? I fucking love that song. (laughs) That's the first Amira song I ever heard. Great. Yeah. So, 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 dude, they are sick. I I'm stoked. It's just so aggressive. Yeah. It's so, so fucking aggressive. So like outrageous. Like how could you not just, you know, it fits where it fits. That's the thing is like, you know, I don't feel like listening to a mirror today. Cool. Don't do it. Like listen to something else. But when you want that just caveman fucking energy, there's nothing better. You know, there's another band, uh, Kublai Khan TX. Mm -hmm. Is that Texas or is that TX? There's some other band called Kublai Khan. So they had to Change their name. Dude, that band is cool as shit. That's one of those bands too for me. Great it's just band. like pure energy and like 
caveman feeling and uh, I love listening to them. Well, what really kind of drew me to your channel in the first place is kind of the opposite of the caveman thing because I mean, I've been into fitness and jujitsu and stuff for, you know, most of my life, but most fitness kind of content really just doesn't do it for me because it's just so like douchey and bro. And I think of like a lot of the like gym shark type people and stuff. And, you know, that's that stuff's fine, but it doesn't there's nothing there for me. Whereas your content was very kind of thoughtful and analytical in a way that is so like rare to find in that space. Yeah. So that's how I started was like, look, this is our mission. It's to snatch more and to clean and jerk more. That's it. And like, there's a lot of people out there who want to do that. So I'm going to give you the most technical dictionary that I can or process that I can to help you out. And I think now that I've evolved to just talking about everything, it's about being a real human being. It's so amazing that even to this day, people are still shocked when you are a normal, like when you act like a normal character. Yeah. Like when you act like yourself. One thing I can say about YouTube, uh, I touched on this a little bit on my Instagram because I just like randomly had a video pop off and go for 1 million views. It was crazy, right? But that was pure algorithmic. That was not anything different. So, you know, the algorithm picked it up and sent it along. I had no... This is the most brutal combat sport one? Yes. And and so this is how I understand YouTube. If you If you want to start YouTube, have a mission... And be very specific to that mission and get a, a niche group, a very organic following to follow you along that journey, okay? That can carry you very, very far. But if you want to spread further, you have to understand that the algorithm will only do things that will benefit YouTube. Yeah. So, so that's why I made the move to talking about more broad things. But that wasn't an inorganic thing for me to do because that's who I am. Right. So I was able to mold this like expert analysis from weightlifting into, Hey guys, I'm Zach Tellender and I'm going through this stuff and I want to, I want to help you guys through it. Uh, but then to, to touch on what you were talking about, the cringy, cringy, uh, fitness influencers, there is like a lexicon and, uh, a step there's like a, it seems like a program that everyone has to run, uh, like with these trends, yeah. It's like trends in music. It's like everyone has to run this program and this trend. And, and you don't even realize that you're doing it sometimes, but I've kind of like just edged on looking into the, the fitness space and it's way worse on Instagram, but there's certain moves that everyone's making. And I'm not even like natty or not videos, that type of thing. Yeah. I, I would say more like, like let's, if we talk about the people that like vlog their training days. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's like, what's up guys? Like, here's a day in the life. Like, here's what I eat. Uh, uh, all right. Big back day. Right, then right. it cuts to a cinematic edit. That's some, you know, overpaid editor with a, a <laughs> Canon R5 or, or a Sony a seven S has yeah. shot and edited all snappy with a bunch of whip pans. It's like, that looks really cool, but there's zero substance. There's zero storyline. Yeah. It does nothing. I don't give a shit. Yeah. So every time that I'm doing something, I'm trying to give people something, some sort of solution to their, their problems. Sometimes people like mindless shit, man. Like sometimes people will literally just watch, you know, that's, this is why watching people game works. Right. Like if you just have, if you're just in a, an eloquent character, you know, charismatic character, you can just do shit and people will watch it. And yep. so every once in a while I'll do that. 
But other than that, I want to be solving a problem. I want to be talking about a problem. I want to create a story with a beginning, middle, and end. I always try to do that. And I think there's a lot of that missing in the strength world. But when I see some of these people do it, I'm like, I get gravitated to them as well. I talk to them. I'm like, you know, this is the shit. Well, I think a lot of those people honestly don't really have anything more to add. And that's not really a criticism of them because we all just are who we are. But I think for a fair amount of those people, all they are is like, you know, a gym rat. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for me personally, I mean, how many more videos do I need to see of somebody doing all the things you said? So if you look at like the top music channels right now, you have uh, Adam Neely. Yep. Who is uh, uh, Jared Dines? Yep. You have yourself. You have Rick Beato. You have these guys who are professionals in music, right? But they're also fucking professionals in front of the camera. They're charismatic people. We care about them. They are. I'm not, but. (laughs) No, 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 no. You do a great job with your delivery, man. For real. And I think that is a skill that is, it's either developed, uh, you know, and part of it just kind of. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Nature and nurture. I've definitely gotten better at speaking in front of the camera for sure. But I've always had some sort of element of being like, yeah, I'm okay with this. I can do this shit all day. Yeah. That is a hugely underrated unspoken skill that that all of those creators have. I study all of those people for this exact reason. Like Rick Beato for example, I don't I'm not that interested in any of the music that he covers, but I mean, his results speak for themselves. Like the guy just fucking crushes it and he's like 61 years old. And so I'm always studying like what is it specifically about Rick or Jared or any of these people that I could learn from. So I can, I can attack, like there are systems you can deploy to get the best out of who you are. The biggest one that I've felt, and this is like, if every time someone asks me, how do I do YouTube? I say, you have to have something to say, Yes. Um, but, but look beyond, look before that. What have you said? Like what have you said to your friend all the time? Like, what is that thing that you complain about? Okay. So for me, when I started YouTube, I was in the CrossFit space and CrossFit smashes a bunch of movements together and they don't do weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting well, but there's a lot of CrossFitters who want to get better at Olympic weightlifting. Well, my biggest issue is the way that people teach this one thing. So what I do is I say, Hey, I have an issue with this. Here are three things. Here are three reasons why it doesn't work. Here's a solution. And then I wrap it up. It's like a five paragraph essay. Yeah. Okay. Now I have done that pretty much with every video I've ever made. I'll bitch to my friend about something. Okay. That just right there. Remember that say it in front of a camera, put some B-roll over it, get some music, get some good editing, be charismatic, and you can have content. That's all it is. It's like having an opinion and then exploring that opinion. And and I think if we look around at like what fitness channels are offering, they're not offering that. They're just saying, hey, watch me. Yeah, because I have a great physique. The biggest thing that ever happened to me, and it set my my life on a totally different course, was I posted, so I used to make vlogs because I wanted to do YouTube, and I made vlogs about my experience crossfitting. I edited them really snappy. I put good music over it. And then I posted it to CrossFit Reddit. This was back in 2015. And I'll never forget this comment because it changed my life. This guy said, why are we supposed to watch this? Mm. One, you're not that good looking. (laughs) Two, 
you're not that good. Three, you haven't told us what you're what you're doing, like what you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. When he left it, he was like, what are you exceptional at? Rough questions, but fair. Right. And so, so what I took was like, holy fuck, like first off, fuck this guy. Okay. (laughs) But second off, like I'm going to listen to it. And what I did was I deleted those two videos. They'll never see the light of day. They were so fucking cringy. I can't even think about them. So these were like your very first ones. Yes. Okay. And I go, oh, you want to know what I'm good at? I'm good at teaching the snatch. I'm very, very good at that. I've done it thousands of times. And I also know where people go wrong. So let me make this video. Boom. I made my first ever official YouTube video. I put it on Reddit weightlifting, which is something you can't do now, by the way. You can't spam Reddit pages. That was how I got lucky as well. It was good. And it was fast. And people were like, do it again. Uh, I got comments, people being like, do more, do more. And I just kept going, going, going. I remember I, I used to get emails every time I got a subscriber. Did you ever get, did this ever happen for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I remember I got 25 emails and I was like, holy shit, I got 25 subscribers. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm just going to continue to do this. And that is how it changed my life, right? Those four things that that guy said, like those still ring true today. Look, he said, you're not that good looking. Well, if you are that good looking, Okay, now you got my now you got my fucking attention. You yep. know, you're just undeniably attractive. Like, fuck, I guess I'll watch it. I'll be bored after a while. You know, oh shit, you're really good at powerlifting, or you're even in if we think about music, like you're a f- absolute shredder to the nth right. degree, and you package your videos well, like we'll watch you shred all day. It'll get boring because we could just watch a polyphia music video if we want to see shredding. Right. And then also like some people can have this goal. You can say, I want to be, I want to lose a hundred pounds. Like, cool. I want a million dollars. Like you're doing nothing, (laughs) you know, you're doing nothing intangible steps. You're not helping me. But if you say that's your goal and people can hop on board, you know, they'll end up getting bored. So if you don't have any of those, or if you have one of those things, it can work out. But if you have none of them, it'll never work out. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. 
Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I've actually been thinking about this a lot myself because, you know, I've been kind of, uh, you know, a little bit flat on my main channel for a while. And there was also a lot of people, there's a lot of people that don't like me and stuff. And so I've been kind of asking myself, like, what could I do better? And I think that I didn't really have an answer to that question of like, what am I here to do? Or like, what actually is the mission from the perspective of like, how can I help my audience? What I realized is that speaking of Rick Beato, he said that he described his channel. He was like, you know, I used to think it was it's maybe a similar evolution to yours. He said, I used to think my channel was like music theory because like he has a master's in like you know, music and stuff. He knows his shit backwards and forwards there. But now I think of it as a music appreciation channel. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. My job is to help my audience enjoy music more. Okay, so if that's your mission, right? Now think of what is preventing people from enjoying music more. Do you have an idea right now off the top of your head? I think a lack of knowledge, which sounds douchey to say, because I'm not saying that like they should know more, but like just there's only so much time in the day. So I think when we understand art, in any sort of nuanced, detailed way, then you then you appreciate it more. So if someone points out to them, here's why this thing is great, then now you see it in a different light and you enjoy it more than you did before. So that's but that's what I was trying to get at is like a, like a piece of content idea for you. And and I'm not trying to like encroach or anything like that. No, please do. Is like if that is your mission statement to help people appreciate music. Well, you have to think about things that are opposing that mission statement. Mm -hmm. And when you think of those things, it could be the way that TikTok is, you know, it could be the way that commenters have power. It could be trends like musical trends can also oftentimes get in the way of music uh, bands like potential, you know, those right there are like finite pieces of content that you can explain. Okay. Well, here's an example. So I did, I don't know if you've seen it. I did a video called rock is stuck in the past. That would be an example of it because I believe 
that there are a large number of great artists that deserve attention and they're not getting it because the media and a lot of fans only care about old shit. And that video did really well. Yep, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. And one thing you can do now, and this is what I try to do is like, take that extra moment to write. I write, I've started to write what I wanna say and it changes everything for me. It helps so much. And again, your channel is way more bigger, way bigger than mine. It's, this is just coming from like, almost like I'm telling myself this. Sure. No, I listen. I, well, actually, I'm not sure that yours is that, uh, that mine is that much bigger. I might have more subscribers, but subscribers don't mean shit. Well, yes, but you, I've seen your view count, man. Don't be so, don't be so humble. I don't know. I like my main channel got a million views last month. You're probably not too far behind that. Yeah. So, so all, all I can say is like, you have, you know who you are and you know what you want to do. Think about your foes, but they're not actual foes. It could be just like, well, the challenging part for me is that my opinions oftentimes are very, very, very like the exact opposite of my audience's opinions, challenging people's deeply held emotional beliefs about things that they are very personal to them. Like music is iffy, you know, and it's the same with fitness, especially food. Think about food, how much, how emotional people are. You can tell people all day long something about food. If they don't want to hear it, they're not going to fucking hear it. The parallel is, is like, it's just palpable. Like it's the same. It's we're talking the same exact language here. What I can say though, is like the contrarian opinion oftentimes can rise up and people can be able to yeah. get behind it, not in a negative way. It's what's the coolest thing about like just content and stories and, and all of these things is it, it is a reflection. We want to hold the mirror to the audience in some way yeah. and they can then determine, Hey, you know, I wasn't doing this thing right. Or, or this changed the way that I approach this one thing. And they'll comment that. And you'll see these long comments about being like, you know, I used to be like, I'm waiting for the day for people to be like, you know, I used to hate the the way that Bring Me the Horizon has gone, like what they've done, you know? Yeah. Now I want to watch you suck his dick. Now it's like, you have to just be true to that that statement of like, you know, holding that mirror up no matter what happens. I, I did a video, I did a couple videos in a row that were like very deep. One of them was like, how your friends are keeping you weak. And the thesis behind that was like, if you want to reprimand someone, do it when they do something bad. But if you really want to mess with someone, reprimand them when they do something good. And that occurs a lot uh, throughout life. This this doesn't really have, mean, it, it can mean things for fitness. I mean, it happens all the time in music. Anytime a band becomes successful, then all their so-called friends start talking shit and tell them, you know, that their old shit was better and blah, blah, blah. And like, wow, what a great friend. I just accomplished this thing I've been trying to do for five years. And uh, you got nothing good to say about it. And so, so I did that video, and and then I, I did another video with uh, Mark Bell, and, and they're just very deep, reflective discussions. And I had a commenter say, you know, fifty percent chance I get on this channel and I get stressed out, and and I was like, okay, and mm. it, it was like I want to come here and I just want to be entertained, like I don't want to have to think. And so, basically, what this person said was like, the things that you're pointing out. Those are issues that I'm facing yes. and I don't want to look at them right now. Correct. And, and so that is, I love that. It's like, I'm, that means I'm going to push harder. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this shit. Not only it's like, also there's part of this is therapeutic for myself, right? It's like me reflecting on how I've changed and the things that I want to do in the future. 
this is like my me talking to myself and you know if if you're if you're saying that like rock and roll is stuck in the past there must have been a point in your life where you were one of those people keeping it in the past me no but i understand your point but i i i, I yeah I mean, the fundamental issue for me is I'm like the polar opposite of my audience in almost every way. So what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? So I think specifically, do you know the concept of locus of control in psychology? No. So the locus of control refers to the idea of like, where do you believe that control over your life lies? Do you believe that it's inside you or outside you? So people with an external locus of control believe that they are basically subject to the whims of the universe and other people and blah, blah, blah. People with an internal locus of control believe that they control their future for the most part. And uh, I have a very strong internal locus of control, meaning that I believe that, I mean, obviously you get struck by lightning, you get cancer, blah, blah, blah. But largely, I think that we control our own destiny in most ways. And I think my audience and most most of the people who are like really into music on the internet, let's just say, I think have a very uh, external locus of control. And so when I say things like, if you don't like the terms of this record deal, don't sign it and do it yourself, they get mad and say, well, it's they can't help it because it's industry, blah, 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 blah. People with an internal, with an external locus of control really don't like it when you tell them that they have power. Do you know what I mean? Yes. They get really mad about that. Yeah, that's the mirror. Don't give me that idea that I can change it because- Exactly. Yes. Because then it means it's my fault. With power comes responsibility, and I don't want responsibility. Well, exactly. The actions that I'm taking have put me, or or sorry, not taking, have kept me in this place, but I have no power over that. Exactly. Now you're giving me the 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 idea that shit, like I could have been taking actions. Like, don't tell me that. Exactly. So like you just keep charging ahead with with your content and just keep doing it. I don't think so, because so getting back to Rick and Jared, for example. I think they are very much like their audiences. Jared is like the patron saint. Like we have the same manager. He lives pretty close to me. I know him a bit, not super well, but he's like the patron saint or Nick Nocturnal, who I love also of like the younger, like metalcore guy, you know, who's into playing guitar and, you know, video games and whatnot. Their audience would love to be them. You know, they like when they're, when Nick or Jared just express their uh, authentic selves, their audience is into it because they're very much like their audience. Same with Rick. He's like the boomer version of that. Mm -hmm. You know, Queen is great. Van Halen is great. You know, and so if you're into that classic rock type stuff, you know, like, fuck yeah, Rick. Van Halen is fucking awesome. Queen is so good. I have extremely different taste in music than my audience and fundamentally different beliefs about life. And I think that if I push too hard on that, it just makes people angry and a big part of the reason why people like Rick and Nick and Jared is because they're likable. And if my audience doesn't like me, they're going to stop watching my videos. So then why are they watching them? Because I know a lot about the same music that they like. Okay. So, but you're not necessarily uh, expressing your opinions. Correct. I gotcha. I mean, let's work through this. I used to express my opinions more. It made people really dislike me. Yeah. But were the views still happening? Yes. So there is, so I don't want to be hate watched. I, I really don't enjoy that. And like people fucking hate me. I don't know how, if you're aware of this. Do they hate you as much as Fantano? Do they hate you yes. as much as Hassan Piker? I mean, they're, they're more famous than me, but similar kind of thing. Yes. Like there's a new thread about me on Reddit every week about how awful I am. And I'm 
blah, blah, blah. Sometimes two or three a week. Yeah. I mean, the uh, Olympic weightlifting group kind of hates me now, which, which is <laughs> that, very interesting. Of course they do. So look, those people though could also be early adopters of Finn McKenty's and then, oh, he changed. That's possible too. Yes. Right. So, but wouldn't you say that if your reach continues to grow, that you will grab people that will be more like, you know, appreciate your opinions? I don't think so. So every time I've tried making a video involving rap at all, for example, which I've been listening to rap since like 1987, mm -hmm. longer, way before I knew what metal was. It just eats shit and my audience hates it and they're not into it. But if I make something about like new metal, they love it. Interesting. And so like anytime I kind of go outside this lane and I'm sure you've seen the same thing. There's a lane that people want you to be in. And if you step outside that lane, Usually doesn't go well. Here's the problem. It's not the people that want you to be in that lane. It's the algorithm. But the algorithm represents the people. Not always. It represents who you were before. So this is something that I've like, this is another thesis that I have bottled up. It's like, I would actually say that a decent portion of what I've done that like, I do think my audience would like it, mm -hmm. but because the algorithm, it's not in that sphere. Like it's not, yeah, they're not going to push it out. And that's kind of just like conspiracy theory garbage, but that's like the general feeling that I get from it. No, I, if you listen to like their product managers, that's what they would tell you. Right. Like they're determining what your audience would like based yeah. off of history. Okay. That makes sense. But what if there's something that I'm doing differently that I know that my audience will like? Well, they're not going to see it. Yeah. And so that is where you're stepping out now and you're not getting the feedback that you want. So I'm the problem is I'm a pussy and I'm not willing to like burn down what I have built in hopes of finding something new and better. Right. So you don't have to go all in and burn it down. Okay. You can have like a, you know, a low and slow burn. That's what I'm trying to do. Like, yeah. for example, I made a video about Imagine Dragons recently, which is definitely not something that my audience would typically respond to, but it did well because I, so I, my sort of framework when I make a video is the first step is to understand what my audience's existing beliefs are about the thing, because you can't change that, right? Like people believe what they believe. And then I decide whether I want to validate or challenge that belief. And typically, like I want to challenge it, but I've been trying to sort of do it in a way that doesn't feel as challenging, that sort of like validates it as it challenges it. So that video, I called it why everyone hates Imagine Dragons. Now, I don't think I don't like Imagine Dragons, but I wanted to validate it with the title to saying, yes, everybody hates Imagine Dragons and partly for good reason. Here's why. But maybe it's not quite as simple as, you know, what most people think. And that video did well. So that's kind of the approach I'm trying to take now of um cuz I think one of my own blind spots is I can be kind of prone to black and white thinking like it's either this or that. And so I'm trying to be a little bit more in the gray like you said of slowly stepping outside that comfort zone of like okay, I know my audience really likes basically like new metal, that's like their favorite thing. How can I like tiptoe outside of that even though I'd really like to just take a giant leap outside of it and talk about something totally different? Maybe it's baby steps. I think you have been in the pro YouTube game for so long that your your judgment of viewership and all of these things 
might not. And again, this is just an estimation of like, it might not line up with the old Finn McKenty, <laughs> right? Yes. 100%. I think it's slowly warped. I feel like now if a video doesn't get 100,000 views in seven days, it basically sucked, which is stupid because I would have been thrilled to get 50,000 views in a month at, at another point. Right. I'm right there with you. I checked that goddamn YouTube analytics app every goddamn day. Okay. I'm right. Only there with once you. a day. <laughs> Lot, lots more than once yeah. a day. Okay. <laughs> I don't even want to know what like the, the, you know, the clocked hourage is on that oh, fucking app. Horrible. So what I would say to you is like, just have opinions and, and like you have opinions on things that you haven't shared with your audience, build those opinions up and do it in a non-emotional way. So Basically, one guy on, on the internet, he called me out and I recorded this video. Actually, I, I wrote this thing out and then I recorded it and I sent the writing to someone else. I said, what do you think about this? I thought I did a really good job. They're like, dude, no one is going to receive this well. <laughs> Story of my life. Right. Instead of being vitriolic towards the guy that called me out, I broke down why I was so offended Mm -hmm. I broke down his argument. I broke down my argument and then I broke down his potential counter argument. And then I finished it all up and I wrapped it all up with zero vitriol, zero really emotion. It's cool to show emotion, by the way, like what things mean to you, but to have this catalyst, you know, the anger, the ranty kind of energy. Yeah. That is super dangerous. I agree. So, what I can say is if you come from a place of respect, especially around music, because yeah. God damn it, people are tied emotionally to their music. They are. I would say you have nothing to worry about. And you will get like presenting your argument being like, hey, guys, just give it a chance. If you just say that, right, it's undeniable almost if you come and you're vulnerable like that, because the moment a commenter says, nah, fuck you, you, you like, you know. They look like the asshole. And not only that, the commenters will pile on saying like, hey, man, you're an asshole. Right. So all I can say is like, I don't want to coach you through YouTube. Like, no, I I'm appreciate it. I, I I'm appreciate learning it. this shit through my, myself. But what I would say is like, you have a voice or an internal monologue. Don't shut it down in, in lieu of uh, views that you think you should get. Yeah. My idea is like, if you follow that internal monologue, you're still going to get views. If you do it the right way, if you say, you know, to me, yeah, me and my audience are so fucking different. Well, then you can come at it and be like, you guys suck. And I'm right. Like you're never going to get capture them. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, that's the wrong way to think about it. So I think you're on the right track that you understand this whole circle of how it, audience interaction works. Like you get that and you're thinking very deeply on it. Now the, now it comes down to delivering it in a way that in order for somebody to retort it, they have to be respectful in their retort. And in that way, if someone gives you a respectful rebuttal to what they, what you say, they respect you and they will continue to watch you. I, I think you hit on something really important, which uh, is, is really helpful. That's why I like having these conversations because sometimes even just one little phrase can be a big difference. I think where I went wrong in the past is I probably did have some of that vitriolic kind of energy because you know it's sort of a common thing in my life that I have presented opinions in a way that came across as way stronger than I intended them to. And people do not respond well to that. I'll give you one example here. 
really, really quickly. This yeah. just happened to me. I did a video with Derek from More Plates, More Dates, mm -hmm. and it was about this recent scandal in female bodybuilding. I have this one saved. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So long story short, the showrunners of the IFBB, which is the, the big pro bodybuilding league, they had sexually exploitative websites for the for the female competitors. Oh, wow. You know, they were using their power over these female competitors. And there was also, you know, there was a, a conflict of interest. How people were being judged on stage could have been swayed by their participation in being sure. on this website. So we had talked about that. We could have just said, you know, like, fuck these guys, these misogynists, these pieces of shit, like, and given the news and just been outraged. And that would have done well. We were outraged. We expressed it. But what we wanted to talk about is the inherent potential of misogyny, right? So that took a deeper dive into, into bodybuilding as it is. And meanwhile, we were saying these women are absolute victims of misogynist piece of shit men. Like, couldn't set it more clear. We got hammered by women who participate in female bodybuilding. Hmm. And it was like the way that we victimized them as a whole was we stepped out too far. We, you know, because we don't understand female bodybuilding. There was a TikToker and she posted this video. She took what we had said completely out of context. Meaning that they felt like you took any of the power or or agency away from the women. We were speculating that like the inherent design of bodybuilding, which can absolutely be argued, allows for this because it is about vanity. Yes. It's it's the, the whole point of bodybuilding is objectification. Yes. It's pageantry. And so we were like, this is this is doomed to happen and certain things like that. So this woman, she's like, one of the things that Derek said, it's like, it's very difficult to tell the difference between bikini competitor competitors when in open male bodybuilding, it might be easier. That's just an opinion. That's something that he asserted. She took that and she said, she took that clip. She said, this is an incredibly misogynistic approach. So this is really funny because the intention of our video was to actually point out misogyny. Right. Okay. So now here I am being called a misogynist on TikTok, something that I was taking very seriously. I talked to my girlfriend about it and she said, babe, whatever you do, don't raise your voice. Mm. Don't be smarmy. Don't be snarky. By the way, you're in the right here. I love you. I'm looking at this objectively. This woman is completely wrong. Do not treat her poorly. Yep. And so my tone when I made a response video was exactly like this. I laid out exactly how I felt. I even said, you know, I totally understand your position and I'm sorry that I, that I made you feel like that. That was not the intention of this video at all, right? I didn't apologize for exactly the things that I said, right. but the way that it made you feel was like, no, that's not, wasn't my mission. That wasn't my goal. And I said that and I pressed send and that was my video back, right? It's like, you have to have that voice. You have a wife, right? Yep. You have to have that voice being like, babe, if you want to tell people that Bring Me the Horizon isn't that bad, do it in a way that doesn't treat the people that hate Bring Me the Horizon like shit. That's where I've gone wrong is it just in my life in general. I know that I've inadvertently made people feel stupid in the past and nobody reacts well to that. No. So that's the specific thing I'm trying to work on is communicating things in such a way that the audience doesn't feel belittled. That's never my intent, but I understand that 
sometimes the way I say things makes people feel that way. And I don't want to, I like that sucks. I don't want to be that person. That's not, is that who you are? That's not who you are, right? I, I hope not. I don't think that's who anyone is, but it brings success to some people. So if we look at a guy like Hassan Piker, yeah. right, that is may or may not be who he is. It could be who he is, right? But he's consistently pointing out stupidity and he's yes. doing it in an incredibly vitriolic way. And his audience they loves love it. it. And it goes boom and and the algorithm zooms it across the internet and it's great, right? Yep. If that's not you, do not fucking do it because that sounds like hell to me. That sounds like I, I could never put myself in that position. Uh, I just couldn't, I could not do that at all. And I and it seems like you couldn't do that. And it seems like now that you know that, right? Just take a little extra time and act like your wife is in your ear telling you, like, hey, babe, like, look, you're you're not gonna win this argument. <laughs> or, or, or no one's going to listen to you if you, you know, yep. you raise the decibels up. Well, this is great feedback. I didn't, I didn't expect that I was going to get a YouTube coaching session here. I hope this is what you signed up for. Yeah. A little audit, <laughs> a little bit of an audit here. Yeah. I, I hope this is what you were. I, I hope you're okay with this. Yeah. Hey man, I, I love it. Cause you know, it's like, if I'm helping you at all, it's just really just me helping myself. Sorry. Selfishly. It's like, I need to tell myself these things over and over again um so that i can continue to try and practice the, the the best way that i can yeah well uh i gotta wrap it up here in a minute speaking of my wife because i gotta go hang out with her but uh tell us what is on your lifting playlist before i sign off let you go okay okay i got you let me pull it up really quick by the way it's uh it's on spotify you guys can all listen to oh, it okay too. Just search for your name or? Yeah, so it's, uh, you can search for my name. Z Tellender is my name. And I, I did a video saying my top 10 uh, metal songs. I don't know if you saw that one. I don't think so. It's like the most anabolic metal songs. Oh, okay. So, okay, so here's the music. I know you're not a big Megadeth fan, but whatever. Uh, Holy Wars by Megadeth. Holy Wars is a great song. I love that song. Uh, Hangar 18. Then I go to Metallica. I got uh, Four Horsemen, Disposable Heroes, Sad But True. Disposable Heroes might be my favorite Metallica song. Sad But True is my favorite. Uh, then I go to, this is cool, okay? So I got Pantera. I'm a huge Pantera fan. Love Pantera. I went with Domination, even though that's like a, you know, it's a total average, you know, you, you'd expect someone who loves stuff to go to go deep cuts, but Domination, it still bangs, like no matter how popular it is. Shedding Skin, mm -hmm. total, like for me, this is just... Like anything in Far Beyond Driven is just gonna gonna go for me. Tool, we got Jerk Off Live, uh, Ticks and Leashes. So the Jerk Off Live one is uh, off of Opiate. Uh, then we got a big thing at Gojira here, L'Enfant Sauvage, Heaviest Matter of the Universe, Flying Wheels, Gift of Guilt. Then when, another Tool song, Vicarious. Then My Own Summer by Deftones, Blackwater Park by Opeth. These are all like big hits, dude. You've seen The Butcher. Good selections. Not a bad song on the list. You've seen The Butcher, Deftones, Into the Void, Black Sabbath, Super Not Black Sabbath, Kai Tangata by Alien Weaponry. You heard of that band? Uh, is that like the death metal band? They are a Maori-inspired band. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ma Maori, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Stranded by Gojira, Another World by Gojira, Laid to Rest by Lamb of God, Silvera by Gojira, Roots Bloody Roots had to go on there. That was like one of the first metal songs I ever heard. Are you a fan of the older like thrash uh, Sepultura? Yes. I love that stuff. So that's when, when I got into the weight room the first time that was, was on like all the time. I'm almost done here. Bleed by Meshuggah, Soul Burn by Meshuggah. 
That's okay. an older one. That mm-hmm. one is, that was like the first song of Meshuggahs that I heard like, that like shook my bones, dude. That thing fucked me up. That song Soulburn fucked me up. Um, Tornado of Souls, Megadeth, uh, Blood and Thunder, Macedon, Nero Forte by Slipknot, Universal Language, Stick to Your Guns, and then You Asked For It by Amur. That training playlist is on my Spotify. It's got 1,084 listeners to it. Just go to Z Tellender and, and it's it's there. So that will improve their clean and snatch by 50%. Back squat, bench press, anything in the gym, you will be anabolically revitalized. There we have it. Cool. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time. And yeah, any uh, anything you want to plug before I let you go? No, just check out my channel, Zach Tellender. And you know, you don't even have to like weightlifting, but you can try and nerd out. It's like fun to watch. It's a cool, explosive, graceful sport. Check it out. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, I'm Coach underscore ZT. I do some training on there. That's it, man. I'm I'm so stoked you had me on. Same here. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.